Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Mitzi, that's your cue. Oh, is it? Thank you, Molly. Sorry. And I'm Mitzi. I've admit, Molly's right-hand gal and co-host on the show. Every week, we talk about the fun and fantastical side of a different kitchen ingredient. And at the end of the season, we use all those ingredients to make a mystery recipe together. So far, we've talked about water, brown sugar, walnuts, oats, crisped rice cereal, and dried apricots. Can you guess what it is yet? We've only got two ingredients left, and you'll learn what one of them is today. We have a great episode for you. First off, our official ingredient guesser, Ava Lee, is back to help us figure out this week's theme. Then, Champ is on scene in today's scoop. And finally, everyone's favorite climate change fighting butter knife is here for the sustainable solution. That's right. So, uh... What happens next again, Molly? It's time for the theme song, Mitzi. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thanks for reminding me. To the theme song! Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. Crazy. I did not know that. Mystery recipe. And we're back. Oh, are we? That's great. Thanks for letting me know. No problem, Mitzi. Hey, is everything all right? Oh, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? I'm just trying my best to host this podcast like we usually do. Uh, let's see here. Molly, I can't quite remember what comes next. That's all right, Mitzi. That's why we have scripts. Yours is right here. Oh, perfect. You're the best. Let's see. And that's all the time we have for today, young chefs. Tune in next time to... Uh, Mitzi, I think you might have skipped ahead a little bit. Did I? Yeah, your script looks like it's all out of order. Yeah, how did that happen? Oh, I'm so glad you were here to catch that, Molly. You saved the day again. Happy to help, Mitzi. All right, well, I'm going to go get this in order, I guess. Want to head to the first segment while I do? Sounds good. Well, listeners, let's head to guess the ingredient. I'm going to play three sounds, and you at home get to try and guess what ingredient will be our theme for this week. Are you ready to play? Here we go. Hmm, any guesses what ingredients these sounds all have in common? I'll let you think it over while I call up Ava Lee. Ava Lee is 11 years old and lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Ava Lee, how's it going? It's going good. What about you? It's going pretty well. I am really excited for another week of Guess the Ingredient. Are you ready for your first sound? You know it. All right, here it is. sounds like somebody boiling pasta. Well, the water part of that guess is correct, but that could mean so many things. So I'll give you a hint. 
This ingredient is harvested in a very unique type of body of water. Keep that little clue in the back of your mind as you listen to more. But let's listen to the next sound. That sounds like something to do with water. Yeah, you're right. It does sound like the water moving. Yeah. Okay, like maybe being poured. Yeah. Or some other type of liquid, perhaps. All right, let's listen to one last sound before we get more hints and make guesses. like a can opener. That's exactly right. That is a can opener opening a can. So listeners, you might have an idea of what this ingredient is, but this is a hard one. In case you still haven't guessed it, listeners, I have a few hints for you. This is a type of fruit which is native to New England and the Midwest United States and is grown in low swampy areas. It's often turned into a juice, but it has a very tart flavor that is often paired with another fruit juice. And it became popular in its jelly-like form in the 20th century when a large producer started canning their damaged berries and turning them into a sauce, which is now very popular on a very specific U.S. holiday. So with those hints and our three sound clues, can you guess what ingredient we'll be focusing on this week? Is it cranberries? You are correct. Welcome to Cranberry Week. So, Ava Lee, now that you know what our ingredient is, are those sounds making more sense to you? So that first sound was water because cranberries are harvested in a bog, which is like a shallow, waist-deep pond. And the second sound... Sounds like somebody taking it, maybe. And pouring water on it. So this is a sound from a more finished state of the cranberries when it's been turned into something that's pretty popular to drink. Oh, this is pouring cranberry juice. Exactly. All right, and that final sound? Opening a can of, like, this cranberry sauce. Exactly. That that final sound was someone opening a can of cranberry sauce, which can be a dinner side year-round, but is very popular during Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Evely, once again, wonderful job with Guess the Ingredient. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, bye! Listeners, one thing to note is that we are using dried fruit for our mystery recipe this season. That means we'll use both dried apricots and dried cranberries. All right, Molly, my script appears to be in order here. Should we take it from the top? I don't think we need to start over, Mitzi. Let's just pick up after Guess the Ingredient. Sounds good. Well, folks, it's just about time for the scoop. Champ, can you hear me? Missy, whoa, you don't need to talk into the mic so loudly. You know that. And you don't need to be that close to the mic either. Really? I have no idea. Thank you, Molly. Wow, saving the day again. I just don't know what I would do without you, Molly. Uh Uh-huh. I think I know what's going on here, Mitzi. Do you? Yes, but let's talk it over in just a minute, because right now it's time for the scoop. Are you there, Champ? I am indeed, Molly. So, Champ, who are you talking to today? Well, I 
thought I was supposed to be talking to Granberry in a cranberry bog, but I don't see any water anywhere. Oh, hello, champ. I'm over here. Huh, but this isn't a bog. Isn't a bog supposed to be like a pond or something? Well, while you figure that out, let's cut to a quick word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Ads! Huh, what a great idea, Molly. Did you think of it all on your own? I want to tell you about our sponsor, Driscoll's. Driscoll's berries are sweet snacks worth sharing straight out of the container. I told my kids, Olive and Toby, all about them while we snacked on some Driscoll's blackberries. Olive, did you know that Driscoll scientists and berry innovators have worked for years to make a blackberry that is so sweet and delicious that all you have to do is rinse them off and you're good to go? You think these blackberries are good enough to eat on their own? Yes, because because they're so sweet. Yeah, Toby, do you like sharing snacks with me? No. The sweetness isn't just inside these Driscoll's blackberries. It's also in the moments they help make. Just add only the finest blackberries to make your everyday moments a little sweeter. Visit driscolls.com slash ATK to discover more. Hi, grown-ups! In our latest cookbook, Kids Can Cook Anything, we help you teach your young chefs how to cook anything, such as bike tires, fake flowers, even the concept of joy. Uh, hey, Chad, we don't literally teach kids how to cook anything. Oh, hi, Afton, deputy food editor here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. We do have 70-plus recipes in this book, but they are only recipes for food. Has your young chef ever wondered about the best way to chop an onion or separate an egg or even how to make fancy-looking chocolate pastry puffs for breakfast, an oven-baked chicken with teriyaki sauce for dinner? Kids Can Cook Anything, the new book from ATK Kids, answers all of those questions. Oh, wow. Plus, there's QR codes throughout the book that link to video examples, which make this way more than your average cookbook. But Afton, who's going to show me how to cook a bike tire? Hopefully no one. Grown-ups, you can get Kids Can Cook Anything wherever books are sold or by going to atkkids.com slash shop. And we're back. And it's time for the scoop. Take it away, champ. Thanks, Molly. Today, I'm talking to Granberry, a grandma cranberry. Granberry, care to introduce yourself for us, please? Yes. Hello, I am Grandberry, and I am, in fact, a cranberry. A ripe one. I'm just about ready for harvest. I actually thought we were supposed to be meeting you in a bog, Granberry. Don't Granberries grow in bogs? Well, we do, champ. You might think of a bog as a small, swampy pond, but bogs don't always have water in them. We're in a bog right now, even though there's no water here. Cranberries grow on vines, most of which are not underwater, in fields much like this one, champ. Cranberry bogs are often then flooded with water during harvest time. Really? That's interesting. Why is that? Well, on the inside of a cranberry are four little tiny pockets of air, which means that cranberries can float. 
So, when it's time to harvest, cranberry farmers will flood their fields with water and use harvest machines that knock us cranberries off our vines. <laughs> then we float on up to the top of the water and become a lot easier to gather. Interesting. I didn't know cranberry bogs are temporary. That's right. Farmers will suck the water out after harvest and bring it back later on. Often, during the winter, they'll flood the fields again to keep the vines insulated under water and ice during the cold winter months. Winter? What's winter? Oh, hello there. And who are you? Oh, don't mind him. That's just Cranbaby. Hi, Cranbaby. Do you want to introduce yourself? Well, sure. I'm Cranbaby, and I'm the butt of next season's cranberry harvest. Huh. That's interesting. And what's a bud? Well, a bud is like a baby flower. See, all fruits start as a flower and then turn into a fruit. So I'm like the very first step in becoming a cranberry, just like cranberry here. I didn't realize cranberry bushes had two different harvests on them at the same time. It's true. Ripe cranberries like me... And buds for next year's fruits like Cranbaby here. But wait, if you're the Granberry and he's the Cranbaby, then isn't there a Cran Mommy too? No, there's only two generations of Berry at a time. The names were just funnier to do this way. Oh, that makes sense. So, Granberry, when it's time for harvest, this field will be flooded and the ripe cranberries will be knocked loose with the harvester and float to the top of the water. And then what happens? Well, different farms sometimes do this part differently. But at this farm, the farmers will come into the flooded bog with these long boards that they'll use to push all the floating cranberries into one corner. And that corner will have a pump that sucks up the cranberries and the water and pumps them over to a machine that filters out all of the leaves and twigs and then the berries get loaded into a truck and sent to be turned into juice. Or cranberry sauce. Or something else. I don't exactly know what happens after that. Last year, I only saw up until the pump part. Sounds like a pretty fun harvest. Oh, it is. <laughs> Hooray! I can't wait! Well, you'll have to wait a full year, dear. Aw, really? That's right. Cranberries are harvested once a year in many places between September and November. But I don't want to wait a whole year, Cranberry. I want to go with you and see what happens after the pumps together. Well, I'd love that, dear. But it's just not how things work. You have a lot of growing left to do before you're ready to be harvested. That's right, Cranbaby. Some things take time. If you were harvested now, you wouldn't be able to be made into anything, so you'd go to waste. It might not seem fun now, but waiting until you're ripened is the best thing to do to make sure you really get to see what happens after the pump. Really? Really, really. I had to wait a whole year, and I'm sure glad I did. Don't worry, love. Your time will come. If you say so, Granberry. Well, I think that's our scoop for today, Molly. Cranberries don't grow in a bog. Their fields are flooded and turned into one twice a year. 
Farmers knock them off the plant and suck them up with a hose. And some things are worth waiting for. Back to you, Molly. Thanks, Jamf, and thanks to you as well, Granberry and Cranbaby. All right, listeners, I think it's about time for our last segment of the day. If only I could remember what it is. Knock, knock. No, thank you. We're not interested in what you're selling. We're recording a podcast. Mitzi, it's Kyle here for the next segment. That's right. Hi, Molly. Hi, Mitzi. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Mitzi, how come you didn't want to let me in? Well, I don't know, Kyle. I am just really off my game today. Molly is truly keeping this podcast ship afloat. I mean, this episode would have been off the rails by now if it weren't for her. Sorry, is the podcast a ship or a train? (laughs) Yes. Anyways, since you're here, that must mean it's time for the sustainable solution. That's right, Mitzi. So, Kyle, what are you going to be talking about today? Well, Molly... I'm excited to be back to talk about how sustainability and our theme ingredient intersect. Welcome to The Sustainable Solution. Today, we're going to talk about native plant species. Just like people and animals, different types of plants are native to different parts of the world. That means they originally come from those places. Think about it like this. Before people lived where you live now, There were native plants and crops that grew there naturally. These plants spent thousands of years learning the best way to get water, survive the temperature, and work with the birds, insects, and animals to all get along and survive. Which is why native plants are often easier to grow in the part of the world that they come from. Like we learned in this episode, cranberries are native to New England and much of North America. Because they have grown here naturally for thousands of years, They can handle the cold winters and grow happy and healthy without lots of help from us. Other crops native to the U.S. are squash, corn, and beans. But lots of crops grow naturally in other parts of the world, with different kinds of soil, different climates, and different birds, bugs, and animals. It's a lot more work for farmers to make sure these crops grow happy and healthy in an environment they aren't used to. Crops like bananas, Kiwi and passion fruit all grow naturally in other parts of the world and have a hard time growing here in the U.S. They might need more water or pesticides, which are chemicals that fight off bugs that want to eat them and ruin the harvest. So, because native plants are often easier to grow, they are definitely part of the sustainable solution. Thank you, Kyle. No problem, friends. I'll see you next week. So, Mitzi... Anything you want to talk about? Well, Molly, I am so glad you asked. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there were a ton of mistakes I made in today's episode. I did notice. Mistakes that you caught and fixed. I mean, the whole episode would have been a disaster if it weren't for you, Molly. Do you know what I think, Mitzi? That you're going to stay and keep hosting the show next season because you can tell we aren't ready to handle it without you? No, Mitzi. I think you are making these mistakes on purpose to try and convince me to stay. Well, I might be. Listeners, in case you missed it, last week on the show, I told everyone that this season is going to be my last season as host. And Mitzi, I still think my moving on to this new job is the right choice for me to make. I know, and I believe that. I just, I guess I'm scared to try to do the show without you. Mitzi, you've been doing this show for six seasons. That's more than 150 episodes. And your scripts are never out of order. 
You never miss a line, and you always know what segment will come next. But what if I don't? Then that's okay. Just like with cooking, there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. Mistakes happen, and it doesn't mean you're doing anything badly or wrong. It's how you react to those mistakes that makes you good at something. You can really tell I was messing up on purpose, huh? I know you pretty well at this point, Mitzi. Besides, you aren't going to be making this show alone next season. Chad and Andrea and Oliver and the whole Mystery Recipe team will be here to make sure things go smoothly. Okay, you're right. We could do this if we work as a team. I'm just gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you too. But we still have this week and next and our season finale cook-along together. Yeah, I am very excited for this season's cook-along listeners. Speaking of, we are one ingredient closer to knowing what the mystery recipe will be. But we are all out of time for today's episode. We'll be back next time with more saucy content for you. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is yet? So far, we've talked about water, brown sugar, walnuts, oats, crisped rice cereal, dried apricots, and dried cranberries. If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. And give us a review. We love the stars, and I like playing that little spot the difference game. Oh, so difficult. Until next time. Keep Keep on on cooking. cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Mitzi, and I am a starfruit, and Molly Birnbaum, who is a honey crisp apple. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is a kumquat. Andrea Vavjan is a kanepa, and Katie O'Hara is a lemon, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Audio services are provided by Ultraviolet Audio, with sound design supervision by Matt Boynton. He's a nectarine. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Chester Quazda, a banana. And additional engineering by Eric Gorman, a raspberry. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music, and Jonathan is a mangosteen. Our director of post-production is Hen Margolis. She is a pomegranate. Our director of production is Diane Knox, who is also a dragon fruit. Fact-checking by Julia Arwin, a watermelon. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher, and she's a blueberry. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a mango. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's also a raspberry. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, art director, Gabby Hominoff, deputy food editor, Afton Cyrus, associate editors, Andrea Vavjan, Katie O'Hara, and Tess Berger, editorial assistant, Julia Arwin, photo test cook, Ashley Stoyanov, test cook, Faye Yang, and managing producer, Yumi Araki. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan, Brian Green, Gina DeMay, Champ Hollins, and Lee Wright. Thanks again to our sponsor, Driscoll's. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Phew! Pretending to be bad at something is actually really hard work, Molly. Sorry I was less than truthful with you. It's okay, Mitzi. I can see right through you. Wait, what? Not literally. It's a saying. Uh, How many fingers am I holding up behind my back? Three. (gasps) How did you know that? 
Just a lucky guess. Can you see through me, Molly? I'll see you tomorrow, Mitzi. Can you see through me, Molly? Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts, and we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win.